It's time for Watch and Learn, the show where we discuss the life lessons we learn from the movies we watch. Today, Stuber. Hey, movie maniacs, my name is Sky, and I'm joined with my brother Dusty. And Dusty, I'm pretty darn sure that two or three times a week, you probably call for some Uber guns and Uber bullets, right? <laughs> I absolutely, if they did have that, I would. You know what? That's a good business idea. I, it is. I should stop all the other businesses and start that up right now. And in fact, uh, just a side note, I just saw there's Uber Freight. Have you seen that? Uber? No, I don't know what that is. Uber Freight. Basically, if you're going to be shipping things... It's Uber Freight, and it's the company Uber doing it. Oh, my goodness. i just like, wow, this company is going to be big. Or it's already big, but I mean, it's going to get even bigger. Did you learn any logistics on Uber Freight? I So what was really interesting, they're actually doing ads like on Facebook. So I saw the ad on Facebook, clicked on it because I was like, wow, that's really cool. So I clicked on it. Basically, it's the same thing as Uber. You just connect together with other people like, hey, this is going here, this is going there, and you just, you know, work that out. Oh, so a truck driver on the weekends who owns his own truck, I guess, can contract out separately like that? Not even just the weekends, anytime, like all day, every day. Instead, yeah, of- I mean, but I mean, I'm assuming they often work Monday through Friday, eight to five or whatever. You know? Oh, sure, so, sure, yeah, yeah. Yes. When they're not doing a normal job, anybody. So if you if you have a normal job, or if you just want to drive for Uber, just strictly drive for Uber. Now, uh, one thing that got me in watching this movie, it got me to really think. Man, I don't think I ever want to be an Uber driver. That would just be you don't you get people that just don't care. Like you and I, when we sit in an Uber car, we're really respectful. You know, we, we don't want to mess anything up. We'll be uh, polite and everything. But you get people that don't care or throw up and all that. It's like, oh man, that would be horrible. It would be. And I hear for those kinds of passengers, especially the late night throw up people, they actually get charged a very hefty cleaning fee. So to try to discourage that, you know. Oh, good. But still, oh. just the fact that, and we saw Kumail or Stu throughout the movie, uh, in, at least in the beginning montage stuff, you know, we see him with a ton of crummy, crummy riders. And yeah, I would, I'm, I'm right there with you. I, I don't think I would like to be an Uber driver either. No, not at all. There was, so I drove, I think it was from the airport in Fresno all the way to our house. This was a little while ago. And I was talking to the lady that was the Uber driver. And the Uber driver, she said that she doesn't normally drive in Fresno. She normally drives from Fresno 300, no, maybe 250 miles to San Francisco and just works there on the weekend, like starts Friday about 4 or 5 p.m. And then works all the way till like Sunday morning and then drives back. And she makes, she said she makes like $100,000 a year doing that. Wow. I bet you they, the rates in San Francisco are much higher than in Fresno. Plus there's all those peak times or whatever that's called when they get extra 15 or 20 bucks an hour. A hundred grand a year sounds a little, wow. I mean, I guess she's staying up the whole time for 48 hours straight working, I guess. Yeah. During the middle of the day, like on, I asked her that too. She said like Saturday, Sunday, she'll take naps, you know, during the day and stuff. But um, the night is when it's kicking for her. And same thing, I bet for Phoenix as well, big cities, metropolitan cities, you're going to get a lot of work. And then the rest of the week she can relax. But also what's really neat, apparently, I don't know if they still do this, but she was telling me Uber even like starts paying for your gas. Like if you're such a fantastic driver, you drive all the time, they start paying for your gas. They start getting incentives to buy cars and all that sort of stuff. Like it gets better and better the more you drive. That's interesting. No wonder Stu was really concerned about his five-star rating, or it was 4-2 at the beginning of the movie, whatever it was. 
Yep, yep, yep. So yeah, I thought that was really fun to see that aspect of a company or a business that, or, you know, you'd be self-employed if you were working for Uber, but um, to see that, because yeah, you, you think, okay, just get people a ride, because I think of, hey, I'm going to get people just like me who are super cool and don't want to mess up anything, but yo, you get jerks in there as well. Oh, I'm sure you do, man. Uh, uh, every time I've ridden with an Uber, they seem super friendly, nice, talkative. Uh, I've never had problems with Uber drivers, but I think there's probably horror stories on both sides of the Uber coin, right? As the driver and as a passenger. Absolutely. Now, one thing with this movie that got me, and it was right off of the bat. Let me ask you, if you're watching a an action movie, or more specifically, a karate or a fight, fist fighting movie um, that has these scenes in it, what is a dead giveaway that either they don't know what they're doing, their directors are bad, or the choreography is really bad? Like, what's a dead giveaway in watching a movie? Uh, for an action movie, uh, a, a, a lot of cut scenes back and forth in the action. That is one. And then the other one is shaking the camera. Yes. So violently that you can't see anything. It was horrible. That first fight scene with... Um, uh, um, Oh shoot! What's the girl's name? The girl that got the Karen Gillan. Karen Gillan is that her name? I don't know the the character's name, but Karen Gillan's the actress. Oh, yeah, Guardian of the Galaxy lady. Yeah. Um, yeah. So that whole scene with them fighting, I was like, this is. I, I had to close my eyes. They were shaking the camera so much. Yeah, I wasn't a big fan of that either. I want to see. I mean, when you're when you're in a fight scene with Iko Uwais, uh, the actor from The Raid and stuff, he is so good. You just want the camera to to sit on him and watch him do his thing, right? Even if the guy he's fighting might not be that great. Uh, yeah, you don't want shaky cam, and I agree with you. It is the sign of a bad action movie. Like uh, Taken Three has a ton of uh, uh, shaky cam as well as quick cuts in between the scenes because the actors really can't fight or they're not putting their full effort into it. Absolutely. I saw, uh, I think it was like some funny video where they were making fun of it, uh, Taken 3, and they showed how somebody should jump over a fence and how the camera should shoot it. And it was one one take, no cuts, somebody jumping over the fence, like like really quickly and really fast jumping over the fence. And they showed, this is how Taken actually record or, you know, shows you the... Um, uh, he, uh, leading me some jumping over the fence. There was like 18 cuts, like him running to the fence, him touching his hands or his hands to the fence. And then a quick show, shot to that, him pulling it up and then him going, Oh, it was, it was so funny. It was like cut, 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 cut. And it was like, by the end of it, he actually didn't go over the fence. He had to walk around and he just acted like he did. Totally, man. I saw that exact same video and it made me laugh super hard. And sometimes you don't realize that in the moment it looks because of the frenetic pace, the music and those quick cuts. It looks like there's a lot of action. But yeah, yeah, you know that that little clip that we both saw on YouTube just uh, uh, brought to light the camera tricks that maybe poor directors or maybe when you're dealing with actors that can't fight. I mean, he's like 65 years old when he filmed that movie. Maybe it's kind of tough for him to jump over a fence, you know? I wouldn't doubt it. And I was thinking of movies from like Jackie Chan or Jet Li, uh, Chow Yun-Fat, like those movies, they, the, the, the Chinese movies, the, the karate Kung Fu movies, they perfected how to choreography, do choreography with the fighting and doing the camera angles and doing everything. They perfected it. So it looks fantastic. And you don't feel like you're going to throw up after it because you're so dizzy. You know, your, your mind, their equilibrium's off, but man, this, this either the director, um, uh, who was it? Is it Sam Raimi? No. For this one, Michael Douse is the director. 
Mike O'Dowell. Okay. So yeah, it was just sad. And so that really set me off in a negative pace on the movie. But in the end, I actually, I liked the movie in general, but at the same time, there were some little issues here and there. What are your thoughts? Yeah, I, I, I thoroughly enjoyed it. Uh, very good buddy cop, even though there's just one of them being a cop, but a buddy cop comedy action movie. I did like not that first fight scene, but the other action within the movie, car chases, gun chases, gun battles, and that kind of stuff, especially the fight between Kumail and Dave Bautista uh, in the sporting goods store. I, I really did like that. So I think the director did a few good action scenes and stuff, but overall, I think it was just the comedy as well as the the, the two lead actors, Dave Bautista and Kumail Nanjiani. I thought they were worked really well together. I wanted to see them both on the screen and I wanted to see where this story took them, how their relationship would develop uh, throughout the, you know, throughout this like a 12 hour span. You know, I, I, I thoroughly enjoyed it. Yeah. Same here. I really, really like, he said his name's Kumail. Yeah. Kumail Nanjiani. He is funny. I love his personality. I love how, um, nonchalantly like sarcastic but funny at the same time and just his just the way he per- portrays that character he did a fantastic job like, like it made me really enjoy his character at first he's kind of like whiny and weasley um not weasley whiny is more um the word yeah, he did a lot of. of screaming in the movie <laughs> <laughs> did uh but dave batista did a fantastic job as well um he was definitely the the, the tough guy um and but you're right the fight in between or in the middle of the movie the fight between the two i loved that i thought that was awesome and where kumeo gets he actually gets like you know he gets strong not strong but like he gets courage and he's like man i'm gonna do this and i'm gonna take it out and then throwing the fish lures on his face that was like oh that is cool that was something I've never seen anything like that before. And throwing bats at one point and, and just running around and tripping over stuff. Like, it's weird. A lot of these kinds of movies, when it comes to slapsticky stuff, that gets a little boring. You kind of see it. It's formulaic. But in this whole fight scene, they did the slapstick stuff very well. What you could imagine naturally happens. You know, you're in a sporting goods store. You're going to trip over bikes. You're going to trip over tents. You're going to fall into tents. All that kind of stuff. I think they pulled it off well. Yeah, they sure did. Now... I'm going to take you out of the movie, uh, out of this whole movie right now. What do you think about a guy sitting right next to you that's talking during the movie to himself? Uh, oh, wow. How like, weird. Like, um, just I'd... basically just sitting there and saying, oh, wow, I can't believe that happened. Or, oh, no, what the, I can't believe. Oh, you know, just just talking and then and laughing like, ah, 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 like just obnoxious, like not caring about somebody else. And it just takes you out of the movie like. Come on, dude. Like, <laughs> I didn't say anything, but it was just so irritating. Just like I just stopped everything we talked about in the movie. It takes you right out of it. I just, it was so irritating. Was he directly next to you? He There was one vacant seat between us, but he was loud enough to where it's like, oh my goodness, this is ridiculous. You know, I, I can't recall, but I do remember one time in a movie... Don't remember the circumstances, don't remember the movie, but I remember being annoyed by the people next to me. So I got up and went to a different seat further away from them uh, because, like, I, I, I don't know what this movie was like for you, but our theater wasn't that full. If there was people next to me and Denise, because I, I took my wife to it, you know, uh, if there was people annoying us, we could have easily gotten up and moved. So that's what I would have recommended to you if it wasn't a full theater. I am definitely doing that. I didn't even think, well, because, you know, the... Uh, and I love it. The newest theaters have assigned seats. I think that's fantastic because I show up late. In fact, the AMC here 
it was 23 minutes of uh, before the movie actually even you know started rolling like the beginning you know right where they have like the uh the popcorn guys dancing like when they said hey it's gonna start and all that sort of stuff it was 23 minutes before that got over before the movie even rolled that so, is crazy you said oh. i can't remember there was like three movies ago you said the 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 credits not credits trailers were 20 minutes again man we i never see 20 minutes it's anywhere from 10 to 15 for us here Oh man, it's ridiculous. So I like showing up late, but to think about, I should have got up, gone to the bathroom, and then I walked back. You know, obviously nobody's going to come. Like they didn't buy tickets in the halfway of the movie, um, so I could probably find a spot somewhere. I should have done that. So next time, I'm definitely doing that. Absolutely. Even if you have to go to the very front of the theater, uh, that, that where you have to look straight up and basically lay back in your seat, and you risk falling asleep because of your position, <laughs> it's better than being annoyed by the people next to you. Oh man, absolutely. That was so. So irritating. So there is your lesson learned for today, Dust. That is a huge lesson learned. You're absolutely right. Okay, so one thing I wanted to talk to you about was there were some things reminiscent of Guardians of the Galaxy. And um, obviously you got Dave Bautista. You have, what's what's the character's name? Um, oh, uh, Vic the, the Manning. One. What's that? For Dave Bautista, Vic Manning. Vic, okay. Well, no, sorry. Sorry, we got Dave Bautista in Guardians of the Galaxy. What's the girl's name? Uh, it's not Gamora. What was her... Um, Go, oh, the actress's name? No, her character's name. Gamora. Oh, you, oh, you're talking about oh Karen Gillan's character. Yes. Yeah, yeah, what yeah. That's her? Nebula. Nebula. I can't believe it was a brain <laughs> fart. I couldn't even remember what. So you got Nebula, and you also have Drax inside one movie. I thought that was rather fun. But then there were also some, and I, I obviously I like these characters. I think or the actors, but it's fun seeing them because I know what um, Nebula looks like outside of you wouldn't really know if you didn't actually see what she looks like outside of that. But then. I think I also got definitely one song from Guards of the Galaxy, either one or two, I can't remember, that I know, that I definitely heard of as like one of the love songs, like at the very, towards the end. There might have been another song. But anyways, it, it did kind of bring me to the Guardians of the Galaxy reminiscent, and I really enjoy the Guardians of the Galaxy, obviously. So I, what did, did you get that vibe at all? Not vibe, but like, did you pick that up at all? Yes, I did. As I was watching it, it uh, some of the music scenes felt a little bit forced like the director loved a movie like baby driver and guardians he realizes the power of music in movies to really draw the audience in and give them a fun time so especially when um uh, the veterinarian was walking the dogs he put the music in his ears and then the action started with that loud music on top of it that felt a little forced to me so i i got the exact same feeling that you the the director just likes music in his movies which i totally understand but when you force it in like you said sometimes in um uh, captain marvel some of those music cues didn't sit well with you same thing in this movie for me it took me out of it yeah i would agree and what I think, and I'm not a director, I'm not that creative, but what I can tell between like Guardians of the Galaxy, Baby Driver, who do, that they do with music, do a good job. It is, honestly, what I think it really comes down to is that the music drives the scene as opposed to be playing behind the scene. And one possible way to do it is obviously if you try to not really necessarily sync up the action to it or what's going on with it. But if um, if you can remember in Guardians of the Galaxy 2, um, there's one song that you would not think would be a, a – it's at the very end where – they're going to kill Vigo, or sorry, Ego. They're going to kill Ego, and you have the um, uh, the all the unmanned ships flying in. You have that one song that is um, sung by James Gunn's brother. Anyways, all that to say, it's a song that would not be a spaceship fighting uh, song, but they make it so perfectly. And then 
as they're playing it, like it picks up right when it's like shoo shoo, and it's, it's really really cool. But then the the volume gets turned up, not where it's blaring, where it's killing your ears, but it drives the rest of the movie. Whereas the volume level in this one, they didn't have it drive. Like if you listen to Baby Driver, the volume is up on the music, and so it's driving the scene, especially when the dude's walking. Like that's really really up, and just like in Guardians of the Galaxy, it's really up. This one, it was down. Just the volume alone, I think, makes it to where it feels like it's just you know trying to help as opposed to driving the scene absolutely agree with you there and it's probably a combination of the director along with the editor and whoever's doing just the overall music for the movie and maybe for you know maybe for some of those movies they just they just they just can't put it together well but that song that you're talking about is called wham bam shangaling and i absolutely love it from guardians of the galaxy and you're right they used it perfectly right there it, it, and I just, I could always, when I hear that song, I always think of Guardians of the Galaxy when the ships fly in. It's just boom, boom, boom. It's just, they fly in. It's just perfect. And so, like, it, in this movie, yeah, it, it was just, it was there. I think it needs to drive the, the, and what's, what's great is I like it when they do drive it because it brings me always back to the movie. Like, man, that was a fun. 100%. Music does make everything better. I agree with you there. Um, uh, what do you think about just the overall story? The idea that Dave Bautista lost his partner. Now he's working solo, but he's got he's hell bent on catching Iko Uwais's Tejo drug dealing character. What did you think about that overall storyline? I didn't mind it at all. I didn't think it was too cliche. Obviously, you know, a cop has to have somebody he's going after and stuff like that. Um, I, I it was okay. I, I I really enjoyed it, and I loved how he had to get a uh, get Stuber, you know, get an Uber. I, I love that whole, you know, obviously being blind or you know with the Lasix and everything. I thought that that was rather rather fun. I thought it was fun too, but it, it it's one of those things that happens that that drives like. The, the whole idea that he is, he can't drive and it still is so hell-bent on catching this guy, that's what drives the whole movie. That's behind everything. And it I, I still I enjoyed it, but that is really unrealistic, right? Somebody who can't even drive down the street, you suddenly crash your car into a gigantic hole, you're not going to pursue this line anymore. You know, you, you are going to come to your senses and call the cavalry, uh, you know, call your backup and all that kind of stuff. So the premise behind it, you know, trying to catch the big bad guy, I liked it. But at the same time, it is kind of unrealistic, a little ludicrous that he pursues it. My goodness, I, that, I absolutely thought that when he got the call... And he's blind. Like, you're going to get... Like, how are you going to take... I don't care about driving, let alone fighting somebody, people shooting at you, all that sort of stuff. How are you going to survive that? And so I completely agree. That was a little irritating. But you can see that, you know, he knew his sight would eventually get better. You know, when he trips over the uh, his informant and he's dead, like, you can't even see that. Like, this is bad. You can literally be killed right now. And so, I, yeah, I'm, I'm right, right there with you. I, I thought that was a little rough, but... I can't think of I'm not a creative, like I've said, uh, but I can't think of a better way to actually get him to use Uber. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no, me either. And I think it's just fine. Like uh, these kinds of movies, they require you to suspend your disbelief. And I think maybe that's why if you go to Rotten Tomatoes, you know, the critics are giving this a 45 because they just can't stomach that kind of stuff quite often. But audiences, they can suspend their disbelief a little bit more. They know what they're in for, right? You're going for a buddy cop movie. You're going to see crazy antics and cool comedy and some fun action stuff. Audiences like that so they can look beyond those little things that don't make much sense you know absolutely and things that were irritating me was when they're uh they're fighting and i think yes it was inside the veterinary hospital you know he's dave batista has got one pistol 
And there's four or five guys with machine guns, like literally automatic weapons, not semi-autos. Actually, you can pull, hold the trigger down. They keep shooting. And they can't take him out, but he just reaches his over, being blind, turns the gun sideways, and shoots people in the head. Like, oh my goodness. That's just, that, that was a little, but I suspended my, my disbelief and said, okay, just go with it. Yeah, just go with it. It's reminiscent of um, everybody in The Walking Dead being expert, expert marksmen, <laughs> you know, taking out be- zombies at 30 feet, 40 feet in the head. Yes, and like riding in a car over huge rocks, like doing like it's just like there's no way you could hit that stuff. But hey, what I found, I realized that I like, I like in stories or in movies when they tell the story and you have small minor destinations to go to, like jumping from one scene to another. Not just a scene, but like your character is it's it's he has one place to go and then. He uh, whatever happens there, then he has to go to another place. Then he has to go to another place. Not specifically that that like uh, one person doing it, but I like it. And it think it, it reminded me not reminded me, but I thought of Aquaman um, when we had Aquaman, the newest one. I thought that was rather fun because they went from destination to destination to destination. Same thing with like National Treasure. That's a fun one to watch. Um, uh, Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade, you know, destination to destination. I really, I, I realize, I just really enjoy the storytelling of destination to destination to destination. Well, yeah, the whole idea behind that is that you're the protagonist for the story. Your heroes, they have initiative, right? They're they're in pursuit of something. They're they're taking the the whole story into their own hands. They're not just reacting to some bad guy doing stuff and i think that's what you're reacting to here just the good guys having a mission and they're gonna see it through yeah yeah so i i like that and i i also along with the the storytelling in general i thought it was really fun at the very end very very end obviously we we love spoilers here we give away so many spoilers that uh kumeo or Stu and uh dave batista's daughter uh vic his daughter get together i thought that was i was you could kind of see it kind of flourishing just a tad bit when she was talking to him in the art theater or where yeah the art thing um you can kind of see that but you know seeing them get together and Stu being so nonchalant and so hey this is your moment in the <laughs> it was like that was yeah. awesome that is good stuff. And yeah, I agree with you. Not only that, but a lot of the parts of the movie, it's kind of a predictable movie. But I think what brings it all together and makes it fun is basically the two lead stars, right? Dave Bautista and Kumail Nanjiani. They have great chemistry together. I would like to see them in future movies. It doesn't have to be a Stuber too, but just in future stuff together. I mean, well, Kumail Nanjiani just in general, you put him in movies. I really enjoy him. Um uh, so and so, I th- I think those two really made the movie what it was for me. I think with different actors, it might have been a completely different story, right? If they don't have the chemistry together. What other movies has he been in? Uh, Kumail Nanjiani. He has been, and he was a voice in the Lego Movie. He did a movie uh, about his own life story, uh, meeting his wife, and it was called The Big Sick. Um, and then. The only other thing that I really know him well from is from Silicon Valley. He plays Dinesh in the television show uh, Silicon Valley. Um, but he's been in, he's been small voices and little parts in other movies and stuff. But I know him for a long time. I listened to his podcast forever called Indoor Kids. He did it with his wife. It was about video games and stuff. Um, but ever since his movie career started taking off, uh, he's not doing the podcast anymore. But he's he's had some really good uh, appearances on the Comedy Bang Bang podcast as well. Just a really funny guy in general. Very cool. Yeah, I, I liked him a lot. I thought he was rather enjoyable. And Dave Batista. 
you big, huge buff guy, you know, like, oh, how much do you bench? Three, 305, 315? <laughs> you know, he's huge. And then you have this little Kameo guy. He's, you know, wimpy and stuff. I think it's a fun uh, connection or, you know, um, uh, teaming up and partnering together. I thought that was really good. Now, to think of how to do a part two, a stupor two, if they're going to do it, which they probably will try, how do you get him, who's not a cop, to actually be a part of this? Like, oh, he takes his daughter. Now he's a part of it or something like that. Yeah, yeah, totally. That that could be one way to take the story for sure. I mean, you've got to have Ren. I really like the one point when he's giving her a gun and she says, I hate it when you do this. Like they've done that a hundred <laughs> times before, you know? I love it. I agree. <laughs> I guess it's because he's a police officer. He just naturally makes enemies with the criminal elements in the town. So occasionally he goes up to his daughter and says, hey, there's some bad guys. They're gunning for me. I will take them down. But in the meantime, here's a Glock for you. There you go. <laughs> yeah, so that would be cool that in the next movie, that's a good idea of yours, actually. He does uh, make enemies with another group of guys, and then, bam, they go after the daughter right there. And then, of course, because they're together, Kumail or Stu needs to jump in with his Uber. Maybe he works for Lyft now. I don't know where they could take it from here. But uh, I-, I think this is a good pairing, and I would like to see more for sure. Yeah, and part three is they actually have a kid together. So their uh, Vic's grandkid, has they, they that gets taken. And like like rush hour one, you know they take it. They have to go after her after the the bad guys taking the the granddaughter. Ah, uh, totally, man, totally. Uh, you know, one thing I liked about this movie was uh, it knew what it wanted to be from the very start. I think it was just a super funny buddy cop action movie. They got two good actors that work well together. Um, uh, do you watch different movies on Netflix, like Netflix originals? Uh, rarely. If I, if I see one that I really want to watch, but I, in general, in general, Netflix, they usually put a a few more raunchy movies. And that's one thing about this movie I could have used with, I could have been, um, just fine without getting in the, uh, locker room scene that I could have done just fine without that. And so I just know (laughs) Netflix definitely has some, um, some raunchy ones. So I, I really, I tend to not watch them just because of that. Gotcha. Yeah, they they can be raunchy. I agree with you there. Um, But there was a movie that came out recently called Point Blank, and it starred Frank Grillo and Anthony Mackie. And I think this movie was kind of like a buddy cop movie again, but it did not know what it wanted to be. It started out like as a totally serious kidnapping, coercing somebody to help the criminal kind of movie. But they kept trying to shoehorn in like weird comedic elements and weird direction and cinematography and stuff and weird acting choices as well. It was like the movie was written to be serious, but the director they chose wanted to make a buddy cop action movie and it just didn't work out right. But whereas Stuber, on the other hand, I think all the elements work together to make a fun movie, even though it's kind of formulaic and we've seen this stuff before. If you are into buddy cop movies, I do recommend it to anybody out there for sure. Yeah, I, I I agree. I'm right there with you. I think it was rather fun. We did Rush Hour last week. I thought that was fun. This is a very fun, fun movie to watch. And what was funny, um, so there's a, a satire um, website that I like to read. And um, for they created a, a satire news article about Netflix. And the satire was um, uh, Netflix under fire for showing a movie with no graphic nudity and graphic sex scenes or something something like that. Mm-hmm. Yep, yep, they got those a ton on Netflix. I don't I don't know why they're trying to you know what's weird. Okay, so they're down with graphic uh sex, uh, uh graphic violence, lots of bad language. But you know what Netflix did just the other day? No. They decided none of our movies are ever gonna show somebody smoking. Huh. 
<laughs> so smoking isn't something they want to show, but they're down with graphic everything else. How wow. weird and backwards is that, right? Wow. So if somebody wants to kill themselves, quote unquote, kill themselves, because, you know, our dad, he's 70 now. He smoked like a chimney, like literally a chimney. You could put an entire pack of cigarettes in his mouth and smoke them all at one time. He did it for like 50 years and he's still alive and kicking. He's doing just fine. So I'm not saying the cigarettes don't cause cancer or anything. I'm just saying my, our dad is doing fantastic. And so it, they're OK with uh, people showing displaying somebody shooting somebody else and killing them dexter and all that stuff like literally being murdering and disgusting but if somebody wants to kill themselves a little slowly yeah we can't do that like we can't let them have their fun you know we can't let them smoke their cigarettes even if they like it because we think it's bad for them i'm like oh my goodness that's sad exactly man it's just backwards thinking and and they're just part of the whole establishment of people who want to tell you what to do um I that's what all these laws that are being made and all these, uh, you know, political correctness and stuff. It's just people who want you to act how they want you to. I absolutely hate, 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 hate being told what to do. I want to make up my own mind. Now, if you want to help me to understand a little bit, like, you know, educate me, I'm completely, I don't think I'm prideful enough to say, no, I can't learn anything. I absolutely can learn. But when somebody's trying to force it down my throat, trying to tell me what to do, I, I hate that. I, in fact, I go the opposite way. And I, like, if somebody painted a wall, like, this literally happened when we were kids. So I was probably like two, and our Aunt Cindy painted a wall in her house. And she said, Dusty, now make sure you do not touch the wall. And I looked at her dead in the eyes. I put my whole hand, not my finger, my whole entire handprint on the wall just because. I guess that's my personality. So when people try to tell me what to do, try to force me to think the way they think, it's just not going to work. It's going to go the opposite way. 100%. That is you in a nutshell. I mean, you're the kind of guy at a restaurant, if you're missing uh, utensils or you need a refill on water, you'll go to the server station and grab what you need instead of waiting for the server to come. Yeah. If my opinion is I'm actually helping them out. You know, I, they're busy. Let me just go ahead and do it. I'm totally fine to do that. But it's at the same time, I'm like, I want it now. So I'm going to go ahead and take care of that. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. totally I, I i'm down with that 100 percent of the time like you and i are totally down with breaking rules and stuff i mean sometimes you got to suffer the consequences but rules are there to be broken you know yes i completely agree rules are to be broken just like in with vic vic um or giving uh stew a gun and shooting him shooting the, the one dude in the leg i thought that was yeah we need to break rules yeah, and that was great. That that whole scene with him accidentally shooting and freaking out after doing that, I, I, I enjoyed that because I didn't see that coming. I just didn't didn't see him getting shot in the leg. But if you watch the trailers, you see that it does happen. So that's one spoiler and one reason I stay away from trailers, man. I love being shocked like that. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, it did kind of remind me, as soon as he gave him a gun, and like he pulled out the gun, I thought, uh, what what movie, I'll ask you, what movie did you think of as soon as you saw that that gun be pulled out? Man, you always ask the toughest questions, man. Oh. I, I didn't, nothing, no other movie came to mind. So, okay. Pulp Fiction. Huh? Pulp Fiction. You didn't think of Pulp Fiction? No. The very opening scene, you got John Travolta and the uh, only black guy that's ever in any movies. That's, that was a, uh, a line from, uh, uh, oh, uh, Anyways, that was that was Family Guy. Anyways, you know, like, hey, oh no, that was the the. Uh, it uh, wasn't the opening scene. You're talking about later when they're driving away and he shoots M Marvin in the head. Exactly. Yeah, you, John Devolta's in the back. You're waving the gun around. and You see him right in the. You remember the dude's name, Marvin? That's yeah. pretty awesome. Anyways, shoots him 
Yeah, shoots it in the head. I thought the exact same thing was the exact same thing. He's going to be in there, and he's going to be like, eh, just kind of waving it around, and then bam! I, th- I didn't think maybe shoot him in the head, but at the same time, shoot him. Yeah, I got you. I, I knew something was going to happen when you give the unexperienced Freddy Cat guy a gun. You know something bad, but it's just it's always fun when you don't know it's going to happen, and then it does. Yeah. <laughs> oh, and that reference I was giving with the only black guy ever in any movie is um, from Ted. When um, Ted is trying to tell somebody who um, Samuel L. Uh, Jackson is. Samuel L. Jackson is. He goes, have you ever seen any movie with any black guy? Yes. That's him. <laughs> That's <good>. <laughs> yep. <laughs> That's true. He's probably, I haven't looked at it. I bet you Samuel L. Jackson's IMDb is probably just as long as like Jackie Chan's, you know. Or Kevin Bacon. Or Kevin Bacon, yeah. too, maybe. You're seven, right. seven Degrees of Jackson. Yep. You can. We could play that game one of these days, huh? You're absolutely. He's been in so many movies. And he's a great actor, too. I mean, it's just really, really good. Oh, man. Yep. Totally. Oh, you, you know, one thing I liked, the the fact that this movie took place in Los Angeles. They actually had a whole scene towards the end that, that uh, they went to the Sriracha factory right there in Los Angeles. I'm glad you brought that up. I loved that. I thought that was super awesome and you know so many of the millennial boys or millennial guys are like yay sriracha yeah, for exactly. some reason millennials <laughs> love sriracha <laughs> yeah i thought that was so fun when he hit when kumail or Stu picked up the phone hit zero and said operator operator somebody's trying to kill us and then you hear it over the loudspeaker such a smart thing to do that was awesome yeah so that whole the whole scene inside the sriracha factory was just fun um oh and the the guy sitting next to me and as soon as he gets to the Sriracha factory and the the bad guy, he's thinking just the bad guy gets it on a sleeve and he wipes his eyes and it gets in his eyes. The guy next to me, oh, no. And it's like, <laughs> oh, come on, dude. He's like, so if you ever watch, the next time you're over here at the house or something, you watch a movie. And if it's Mason's first time watching the movie, he is that guy for sure. <laughs> I have to constantly ask Mason to be quiet to stop talking so as you we're need watching brand new him. movies. You need to teach him, hey, when you're when you're at home, I can get it. But if you're in a movie theater, be respectful of yeah. other people. Well, the cool thing is he is respectful in the movie theaters. Doesn't do oh, a lot good. of talking. At home is where he, he he knows he can get away with it. So when you're in the movie theater, you need to be shy. Be shy. Don't do anything. Don't look at anybody. Don't talk to anybody. Don't laugh. Don't like. You, you can laugh if there's a funny funny scene. But like, literally, be as shy as possible in the movie theater. That is a good, that's another life lesson. Absolutely. That, that is absolutely a good one right there. Be shy in the theaters. It's okay to, to not talk to anybody now. If we go to a party or it's a Christmas party with the whole family, yeah, walk around, talk to people. Don't be shy. But hey, movie theater, different story. Love it, love it, love it. Okay, so what is your first lesson that you learned from the movie? So my first lesson is don't drive blind. Super simple, <laughs> right? If you are impaired or any kind of impairment, blind, you're drunk, you're old and 80 years old and you can't really react that well, do not drive. You're just putting others and yourself in danger. Great point. And I did like that scene. But I mean, like, it it did kind of take me out because like, who would literally be doing that? You can't see anything. You're going to crash. And he crashes into a pit. That that, that was good. And I liked it. Clashing in the pit. That was good. I guess... I mean, you can kind of make sense. He's so angry that his partner died due to this guy, Ted Show, killing her. You can kind of make sense of that aspect of it. But still, it's just it's just the most it's the dumbest situation you could put yourself in. Everything bad that happens from this point forward is all because you couldn't accept the fact that you're blind and you need help. Absolutely. All right. So definitely we have one huge lesson is move chairs if you're sitting next to somebody. Um, 
a big lesson for me is have many guns in your house so you can get access them at any time. Like you don't have to go to your daughter. Hey, I need the key so I can get this. No, you need to have many guns in your house in a safe as many as you can, because you never know where you're going to use them and ammunition. So yes, there's no stubornition or you know, Uber, Ubernition or something like, you know, Uber for ammunition. There's mm-hmm. nothing like that. So you want to have many guns because you never know when you're going to have to protect your family. Totally. I love that one. We have, what do we have at our home? Four, 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 four different guns. Nice. Yeah, but you have like 28. I can't remember. I, <laughs> I just keep buying them. <laughs> you're one of those dudes. You're Ted Nugent, basically, man. I've owned thousands of guns in my life. I don't even know where they're all at. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> We're American. You could definitely tell that. And I just think, I just rather have the option to protect myself than not. That's, that's really all it comes down to. And anyways, okay. So that's my first lesson. What's your second lesson? Mine is skip the therapist, just head to your local strip club for advice and perspective on life. So (laughs) you said you didn't like that scene, didn't need to see those visuals. I really found it fun, the fact that he went in there, he made friends with the stripper, the stripper stripper helped him view his own life. I don't know that he helped the stripper at one point in the movie. he Oh, this is one thing I really liked. At one point he recounted his day. He, I can't remember if it was telling Nicole, Vic's daughter, he was telling somebody about his day and he had literally, Stu had the craziest day ever, all that stuff he went through. And he said that he helped a stripper with the stripper's personal life, but I think the stripper helped him. You know what I mean? Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. That was a fun well, scene right there. I like that oh, a lot. That's a funny life lesson that I will do the opposite Skip the of. therapist, go to the <laughs> strip club. Now, nice. Okay, so this was in, my next lesson is the same one that is in rush hour one that we did it's when there's shots fired you need to call for backup not number one so in rush hour it was backup was too far away in this one it's that backup you should be calling backup i don't care if you got a partner as soon as shots are fired if you watch or if you're a cop at all like if you're a police officer if you're a deputy for a sheriff or anything as soon as there is trouble the first thing they do shots fire shots fire we can help get us over here that's the first thing they do they don't start now obviously obviously they're protecting themselves. They're making sure that they're safe so they can actually talk. That's one. But as soon as you have a chance, you uh, you know, yell in your microphone, shots fired, shots fired, get over here right now. Yep, you are 100% right about that. And I bet you they're trained. It's ingrained in them to do that. Absolutely. It's better to have backup, especially if you're by yourself or if you have two people. You have to have somebody on the way knowing where you're at and what you're going to do. Yeah. Oh, I love that. Love that lesson. Um uh, and then Vic could have definitely used, I mean, shots weren't even fired. He couldn't see, but he knew where the bad guy was going to be. Yeah, that's when you call backup for sure. Oh, that's my Monday morning quarterback. Absolutely. That's a call it in is the lesson there. There you go. Yep. Um, my 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 next lesson is, let me see my sec. Oh, my third lesson is use the threat of social media instead of violence to coerce cooperation. So if there's one thing that millennials and just about everybody nowadays, you do not mess around with their social media, right? Their reputation online is super important with all the Instagrams and the Facebooks and the Twitters and stuff. So I really like that scene when they got Amo to talk to them or to give up the goods by threatening him with, um, uh, uh, what was it? Uh, posting I love... Oh, oh was it? first Who? it was first it was I love Ryan Gosling movies. That's right. My favorite movie is Notebook, Notebook, <laughs> and La La Land. <laughs> yep, that kind of stuff. I mean, you threaten the guy with that, his social life is now ruined. Everybody has so many ways to make fun of him now. Yeah, that's how you get somebody's cooperation nowadays. No need for violence. Yes, I thought 
That was brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. Now that one lesson for me, I'll add on to that lesson is do not, for me and you or everybody else listening, do not get so wrapped up in social media where you have that as a something somebody can hang over your head. Absolutely do not have that. And I know you and I are on the same page on that. So don't get so wrapped in it that you have to have to live by it. That is such a good lesson too. You took my lesson one step further. That's so, that's that's a good one. Yes, and and you yeah you just, you just called it. You know you and I do not do that much social media. We aren't wrapped up in it. If Facebook and Twitter and Instagram disappeared, it would make no difference in my life. And even my business, like my businesses, my real estate investing, as well as my coaching, I rely on, only on myself. I don't rely on you know Facebook or YouTube or Instagram or, or anything to build my business. I have tried to do everything in house so that I own everything. Like somebody, if they have a YouTube channel and they're making you know plenty of good money on YouTube, well, if YouTube just cancels their, their all their money's gone, all everything's gone. And so that's another thing is don't be dependent on anybody else. Totally. Love that lesson as well. Um, But I do want to have, I have an anti-life lesson, right? At one point, Stu says, real men cry. Real men listen to their feelings. Uh, I I disagree with that. What makes you a man is doing what needs to be done regardless of your feelings. And sure, it's okay to watch a movie and cry. I mean, I cried during Titanic, right? So it's okay to have feelings, but keep your crying, keep your feelings to yourself. Nobody truly cares about the way you feel. They only care about what they want. So I disagree with that lesson that Stu said. Whoa, 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 whoa. We got to back up. You cried during Titanic, Seriously, uh, I don't. I, I just use that as an example. No. <laughs> I did cry during Armageddon when <laughs> oh, when Bruce Willis went one. down, yes. and then and then uh, Ben Affleck was saying, "I love you, Harry." Well, and it's it, you you get so I just got chills when when I thought of that because it's a man doing what needs to be done, and that's that's what got me choked up. And same thing like the movie Rudy. Where the football player, he he basically walks on. His whole dream was to get into Notre Dame and play football for Notre Dame. When he gets accepted into the into Notre Dame because he had to work so hard, like he he said, "I'm giving up everything and I'm working hard." He get finally gets in. I cried there. And at the very very end, when he's playing on the team and he gets that sack and he actually gets carried off the field, I cried then. It's like I cry when men do what men do, you know, and like. Saving Private Ryan, things like that. That's that's right. And so I agree. You are absolutely right on. Men do not go after their feelings. They, in spite of their feelings, they do what's right. They do what need need get done. Absolutely, I'm right there with you. And then those examples that you use, Rudy and Saving Private Ryan. Yeah, of course I cried there as well. Yes. What man wouldn't cry? I could tell you, wimpy millennial soy boys. <laughs> They'll be like, oh man, why did they do that? They could yeah, be there exactly. drinking their mochaccinos. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, say my my last lesson, really quick. We'll go into it's super simple. Real men shake hands instead of giving hugs. Like that's what Dave Bautista or Vic was like. No, we shake hands. That like that goes right along with your last lesson. So wholeheartedly agree with you. I love that one there, man. Good, good lesson. Um, So I said my Monday morning quarterback. In the very beginning, Vic should have called it in. I know where Tejo's going to be. Let's go bust him. Even if you got to call in the FBI, you don't need to be the one doing the bust, right? I mean, as long as the guy gets caught eventually, that's what matters. So that was my Monday morning. But what is yours? It has to, and I can't know, I don't know exactly how to do it. But when he they walk in, obviously call him back up. You're completely agree. Just, just, just the two of them walking in is just rather stupid, um, especially somebody as, as crazy as Tejo. Uh, but when he talked to, or they both talked to the reception lady and said, hey, 
don't call him. No, you be much more specific. You better not. This is what I'm thinking. You better not let him know. If he does and he blows this place up, it's on your head because he's bad. You know, something like that. Like, make it emphasis. I thought it was just, hey, let's just go up there and talk to the guy. I didn't know it was going to be something that's as disgusting or, you know, devastating as Tejo destroying everything. So it should have been much more uh, dramatic to the reception lady. Yeah, without a doubt, it should have been. And it would have made more sense anyway if they knew Tejo was there. That's when, yeah, you don't even go up front. You're right about that. Call it in right then. Then you have somebody at the front making sure that the receptionist um, or concierge, whatever you call her, isn't doing something she shouldn't be doing, you know? You're, you're covering all your right. bases. You have somebody at the entrances, the exits, every elevator. You, I mean, if, if your goal is to take down uh, an international drug kingpin, you're not taking the chances. It's not just you and your partner going in. I agree wholeheartedly. Yep, yep. Cool. So I kind of already said my favorite scene. It was just that whole sporting goods store fight. What was yours? I got to say that was my favorite too. Cool. I thought, well, I thought yours would have been the locker room scene, but I, I guess I, I misread that one. I Well, I, I really enjoyed that. I found it really funny while uh, while Vic was talking to whatever the woman's name was. Like She had a funny name. I can't remember. Um, that was a fun scene, but not as good as the fight, man. I, I liked um, all of a sudden uh, Kumail or Stu growing a set and fighting back, you know, being physical against this biggest physical guy that he's ever faced. Oh, Douche Lundgren. What a good joke that was, man. <laughs> I love that. That was brilliant. And that whole scene, that was my favorite too. It was just enjoyable to watch, especially, you know, Vic can only uh, – he can't see. So this is the only time that this would ever work out. But him standing up to him, I thought that was really fun. Cool beans. And uh, the last thing is the movie prop. I would just like to take one of or have one of those lures that was stuck to Vic's face. That's good. <laughs> um, so mine, I want that sculpture that he was almost, he almost knocked over the, with the, the things that fell off. That's right. Yep. I can't even remember what it looked like, but I just, I, I like that scene and it would just bring you back to that entire scene and the entire yeah. movie more so than my little lure would, you know? <laughs> but yeah, so in all, I would have to say I did enjoy, there were some great funny parts into it. Some things that you have to dis- suspend your disbelief. So I would give it, I'm going to go ahead and give it a solid B minus. Now, I, I'm going to stay away from the C's. Remember, you and I try to stay away from the C's because it's easy just to give a uh, movie a C. Even though it sounds like I really enjoy it because I did enjoy it because I probably wouldn't watch it again. That's why I would give it a B minus. And also, you know, it's just a naked guy running in the background. I was like, oh, I just didn't need to see that. So that, in my opinion, dropped it out. So I give it a solid B minus. I got you. I'll probably watch it again someday when it comes out, you know, Redbox. Or if it's uh, free on Amazon Prime, I'll definitely push play on that so i'm giving it a b because it was a pretty fun movie and like i said earlier if you like those buddy cops you've got to check this one you're missing out if you don't watch this one you know yeah it was rather fun cool cool so this was my choice does so next week what are we learning from it's your choice next week we're going to be learning from this is not necessarily a buddy cop but it is super hilarious and it was made back in 1992 and the reason why i picked this because i just really enjoy uh, reminiscing our, our movies that we watched in the past and this one's very very funny and it has one of my favorite actors actually he's a b-list actor one of my favorite actors his name is bruce campbell and so the movie we're gonna watch is army of darkness Holy cow, that is such a good choice. This was on. This was a movie on my list for us to eventually discuss, and so um, uh, I'm really glad that you chose. I'm looking forward to it, man. 
I yeah, I think Bruce Campbell's just a fantastic actor. Really, really enjoy him. I'm looking forward to doing Army of Darkness. Cool beans. Me too, man. Really good choice. Uh, well, thank you everybody for listening. We appreciate you tuning in. Of course, if you enjoyed this episode, uh, we'd appreciate it if you share it with a friend. And now that you know how we feel about Stuber, we want to hear your thoughts, any life lessons that you took away, what you thought of the movie, all that jazz. Just leave a comment at watchandlearnpodcast.com slash pod 57. Alrighty then. My name was Sky. And I'm Dusty. And we will return next week with Army of Darkness. Darkness.